Today we're going to talk about beliefs. What should I believe? It's amazing how everyone wants you to believe something. But it's not just about believing something or believing someone, but it's do you actually know what you believe? You know why you believe it. And so today we're going to keep this focus on helping others with this thing called the Gospel. If you want to help people, consider helping people to believe the Gospel. And the key there is if you're going to help people believe the Gospel, you've got to know what the Gospel is. I think sometimes we don't help people with the Gospel because we actually don't know what the Gospel is ourselves. And that's even for people who are Christians who have become a believer through the Gospel. But just because you have come to know Jesus because of the Gospel, the good news, it's not just about entry point, it's about every step on the journey with God. You don't need the Gospel just for salvation, you need the Gospel for every part of the journey. Can anyone say Amen? So we're going to have a look at that today. So the world naturally is divided. The world naturally is divided, not just geographically. We're divided by languages, culture, values, outlooks, worldviews. And we've got Northern Hemisphere, we've got Southern Hemisphere, we've got East, West. Uh, most of us, we live, we say, where do we live? I live in East Berlin. And uh, we try to locate ourselves by the Keats in which we're a part of. I'm from Kreuzberg, I'm from Prenzlauberg. Where'd you get your ice cream from? Prenzlauberg. It's amazing how we all have these different ways of identifying where you're from, you know, and they actually can become barriers and they can be also pathways. So what I'm trying to say to you is naturally the world is divided, but the Gospel, listen, the good news of Jesus can work in any culture, in any language, in any part of the world. The fastest growing church in the world I'm told, is in China. But how can the Gospel be fruitful in China with a totalitarianism regime or government, a one policy, one party, um, voted until, until forever, you know? How can the, but the Gospel can work anywhere. Gospel isn't determined by the politics or our policies. The Gospel is God at work in the hearts of people. And when He turns up and His love is towards people, when the Gospel is preached, people respond to that message of forgiveness, that message of redemption, that message of welcome home, that message of I love you and I will love you with an everlasting love. People are drawn to the truth of who they are and who they belong to. And so we have to understand the power of the Gospel. If we want to help, if we want to build a, a church in Berlin, if we want to reach Eastern Europe, we need to understand how powerful the Gospel is in building an absolute amazing community from people all, from all walks of life. So we know naturally the world is divided. It's not in natural harmony. How do we get harmony? Well, are you in my culture? Are you in my tribe? Are you, are you dressing like me? Are you behaving like me? Are you listening to the same music I listen to? We naturally put ourselves in things that we find that we like. So, you know, I like to call it Pinterest friendships. Oh, I like purple. So do I. Oh, let's be friends. Yeah, well, that's great if we both like purple, but what happens if I change my mind and I like green? We can't be friends. And Pinterest friendship is not a great way to build you. Pinterest itself is amazing. I love it. But you can't treat all your friendships like a Pinterest friendship where, oh, we just have the same thing. So our friendship is just about what we like. I've got friends that uh, are different. I've got friends that um, we see things differently. 
And yet there's some, something about building strong friendships, not because we see everything the same way, it's because there's something deeper that unites the friendship. And that's our friendship with Jesus, by the way. So let me keep going here. Are you ready for this? Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Have a look on the screen. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the... For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. So here Paul is saying in the Romans, the letter to the Romans, the church in Rome at the time, he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. The good news is what brings salvation to anyone who believes. Romans chapter one, the next verse 17. The good news shows how God makes people right with Himself, that it begins and ends with faith. As the Scripture says, but those who are right with God will live by faith. So you get it by faith, you live it out by faith, and that's how we continue to receive from God. Salvation by faith. Faith is trust. I trust that God is who He says He is. I trust that what God has done, He's done it for me. And I really believe that we need to understand the difference here. Uh, one more verse for you, Colossians chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The gospel, the same gospel that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's kindness and wonderful grace. So the gospel, Paul says, is going out everywhere and wherever it's received, wherever it goes, wherever it's received, it is changing lives. Amen. And I love that. And Paul was one of the first missionaries in terms of going out outside of Jerusalem, outside of the Jewish community. And he believed he was called by God uh, to reach those who were non-Jews. Even though he was Jew himself and there's no evidence that he stopped being Jewish, we know that God used him profoundly. So what we need to understand today, if we're gonna get a hold of this, if we're gonna grow individually, community, collectively, we gotta understand the Gospel. If you wanna help people, help people to believe the Gospel. Uh, years ago, I heard a story, and I don't know if it's a true story, but I like the story. It kinda is a story that just sticks with you. And it's a story of a father at home with, their son, with his son. And mum's gone out and Father has, you know, he's like the kids wanting dad to play with him and do things and like, come on, dad, let's do something. And dad gives him a jigsaw puzzle and, and it's a jigsaw puzzle of the world. And he's like, oh, son, why don't you play with a jigsaw puzzle and put the world together? And thinking, dad's thinking he'll, he'll be gone for hours. <laughs> no response. But what happened is kid comes back a few, uh, only 10 minutes later and he's, dad, I've done it. I've put it together. And dad's absolutely like, how have you done this? This is a very complex puzzle. And he said, oh, it's easy, Dad. He said, on the other side of the world map pieces was a picture of a person. I just put the person together and... I wish it was that easy. But again, what does it emphasise? If you want to fix the world, fix people. Who stockpiles it to manipulate prices? Who takes from the natural resources of the world and uses it for other agendas? People. Who makes all the decisions in our world? People. We're scared about AI taking over, but at the end of the day, who made AI? People. 
How are we going to solve all our problems right now? People. So I think sometimes we laugh at these stories, but at the end of the day, or we casually flip them off as not important, childish almost. But at the end of the day, how are you going to put the world back together if you can't put people back together? If the world is naturally divided, how are we going to bring harmony? How are we going to bring cohesion? How are we going to coexist and honour and respect each other? And how are we going to do that without God, the Creator? These are real realities. A lot of organisations exist to try and foster common values that we can all unite around. It's hard to bring unity to humanity without Creator. So the point I'm making is, it's not just a simple thing, it's deeply profound at every level. And my prayer is that you will understand what the Gospel has done for you personally and what it can do for the world in which we're a part of, the society in which we coexist with. So I think the first thing we need to look at maybe is just consider the ways that the Gospel changes us. The first thing the Gospel does, the good news does, it gives us a new identity. You are a child of God. Old has gone, the new has come. Whatever you were before, Christ has put you, uh, has given you a new nature. So you, instead of having a sin nature, you now get a, a, um, a, a nature of righteousness. You become a child of God. You're already a child of God, but you are lost and now you're found. So the first thing is, I believe, the new identity. It's kind of like getting a new passport. You get a new passport and when you travel, you're happy to use that new passport to get you through them electronic gates. When you see how long them queues are, thank God for electronic gates. You just got to figure out how to put your passport in the right way which I saw a few people do this weekend. But you get a new identity, you get a new passport. And when you hold that passport up, is it in the likeness of you? You know, when they do that and they look at your passport and they look at you and they look at your passport and they look, oh my goodness. I had a bad day when I took that photo, get over it. I wasn't allowed to smile. Is this you? Yes, it's me. <laughs> my wife, my old passport, my wife, she's funny. She would get my passport off and she would tell, show the people around us in the queue. <laughs> I was like, because I look like a criminal. Not everyone gets the beauty. Some people get the brains. All right, no, 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 no. I'm only joking, I'm only joking. But what I am trying to say to you is when the gospel comes into your life, you get a new identity. You're a child of God, incredibly valuable, incredibly precious. The second thing that happens is you get a new position. You're now being placed in Christ. The greatest thing God's done with humanity, He puts us in Christ. Why? Because that's our safe place. We're not holy, God is. So He puts us into holiness. He puts us into perfection. He puts us into His Son, Jesus. So now you're in Christ, you get freedom to breathe, to move, even to fail with no fear of reprimand. You can literally keep moving because you're in Christ because Jesus just presents you to the Father as perfect because it's all of Jesus that you are borrowing for your well-being, amen? But you've been given a new identity. It's not like you're in there by luck, you're in there by skin of your teeth or cross fingers, touch wood. It's not that kind of faith. 
You're in there because Jesus has qualified you. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my friend. Father, please accept them the way you accept me. It's the most profoundest thing you'll ever experience in your life. So that's what the gospel does for you. It gives you a new identity, gives you a new position. And this is the beautiful thing. It creates a new value system in you. You don't live the way you used to live. You improve in your morals. You don't get saved by your morals, but your morality or your sense of morality greatly improves because of your walk with Christ. You're supposed to get better, not worse. Grace makes you better, not worse. Amen? Amen. And so you've got to realise that the values that you have now, are they God values? Are they Christ-like values? Are you living with a new set of values towards yourself and towards humanity, towards community, towards others who don't live or believe like you? Your values, your values, your values absolutely come from Christ. And that's where we should understand as Christ followers that we should be known by the values in which we live by. We include the forgotten. We notice the overlooked. We clothe the naked. We feed the poor. We give water to the thirsty. And that's why I'm saying Christ has identified with all of the vulnerabilities of humanity. And as a follower of Christ, we got to understand what does it look like to be Christ-like in our behaviour, our conduct? How do we live our lives? And I really do believe that's important because that's what the Gospel does. Let me give you a test. One of the tests that you know the Gospels work in your life. You so want to run to God, not hide from God. Listen to me, if you're living a life, conducting yourself, behaving a certain way, and you're running from God, that's not the Gospel. That's religion. That's fear. That's wrong thinking, wrong believing. And, it, and, and, and you've got to realise, you've got to believe right if you want to live right. You've got to figure out your believing and the gospel helps you with your believing. I run to God. I don't run away from God. Even when I get it wrong, even when things don't go right, I still run. That's one of the ways you know the gospel's working in your life. I adore Him. I run to Him. I worship Him. I don't withhold anything from Him. That's what the gospel does. So imagine what the gospel does in a community, in any church, in any man around the world. When they're doing this, it's a liberating place. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So the gospel is advocating, incubating. It's creating an atmosphere of freedom and liberty and hope and breakthrough and miracles. I speak Jesus over the young and the old and everything in between in Jesus' Name, amen. So the thing about the Gospel is not just Jesus on the cross. The Gospel covers creation. The Gospel covers what uh, some people have called the great divorce, the fall, how sin entered and ruined the human story. Uh, the Gospel also deals with the great exchange, redemption, and how God rectifies the problem. It also deals with the great miracle, the resurrection, how Christ rose again to lead us forevermore. And the beautiful thing about the Gospel, it also deals with the original plan being returned, which is the restoration of all things. Amen? New heavens and new earth, new bodies, everything. Amen. So I could talk a little bit more about understanding the Gospel because it is important we understand it. Because let, let me tell you quickly, the Gospel helps us to deal with the things that we don't like in life like pain, suffering, loss, evil. How do we get ahead around these things? We can't ignore them because they're everywhere. 
How, how do you help someone who's, you know, really they lost a child before, you know, at early days, early years? How do you help those who are trying to have a baby and they're just struggling to conceive or maybe have struggled with miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage or maybe those who were like fearful as Joyce and I get to meet more and more these days. I don't wanna bring kids into this world. I have kids, but I'm scared for them because they're scared about the future. They're scared about education, politics, policies, everything. But the thing is, as a believer, You've got to see it the way God sees it. When children come in, we don't live for our children. We live for God and we know what God can do in and through our children. That's why we dedicate them to the Lord. You can't be fearful about your children. You, you, if you live in fear over your children and everything they do and everything, they, uh, you're going to ruin your children. You can't hover over them in fear. You live over them in faith and love and belief. Your prayer is a commitment for the rest of their days. Amen. Don't be fearful about bringing children into the world. You've got to understand you dedicate them to the Lord because when children come into the earth, a little bit of God of Himself comes into the earth. Amen. It's because God knows. Not, uh, listen, no child is born a doctor. I want to be a doctor. No one says that. They don't come out being a chef. They don't come out being an engineer or an incredibly bright person. They're just born. And under great love and care, they are formed and shaped and molded, hopefully in an atmosphere of love. And they get to step out of that environment of care and concern for them into a big hostile world. But hopefully what's in them, the belief of who they are and knowing who they belong to can sustain them for whatever hostilities they face. And so it's not a perfect story, no. But what I'm trying to say is, as parents, we shouldn't be fearful about bringing our children into this crazy world. But I do understand the concerns and the fears that arise. So the gospel helps us with evil, pain, the big questions of life, who are we, where we come from, why evil, why suffering, what's sin, how do we deal with it? And I really believe the gospel can help us, not just with that, but also with how we can conduct ourselves in society. So there's a lot in here and there's a lot that we can chew on, but let me just keep moving here. The gospel teaches, I am so lost, Jesus had to come die and to save me. I am so loved that Jesus was glad to die and save me. The proof, this profound love continue, uh, changes my identity at the root and continues to transform me. So again, the gospels is that He had to die because we're so lost. But the beautiful thing is, is he loved us so much that he was willing to do it. He was willing to go out all the way. So it's not that I'm so lost and I need rescuing. It's I'm so loved and he wasn't going to leave me drowning in the mess. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of love, I can't be apathetic about it. Oh, you love me with such, such amazing love. I think sometimes we talk about the love of God, we sing about the love of God, but it's like we're almost unaffected. It's like we're immune to it. It's almost like it doesn't matter anymore. I am so loved. Oh my golly gosh, I'm so loved. No response. We're so loved. You, if you 
don't realize how devastating sin is, you'll never realize how amazing his love is. If you rub out this whole idea of sin, evil and whatever and enemy and universalism, we all get there in the end, just find your way, whatever fits, whatever's good, just don't hurt anyone in the process. You know, like if we develop all of these ideas or we just buy into them without questioning them, I'll tell you what the consequence is, is we have no reality of the amazingness of the love of God. I just met a friend in London this week and he said, he said, he's now a father of three and he said, oh my goodness, fatherhood's changed me. I'm like, of course it's gonna change you. One, never mind three, he's gonna change you. You don't realise how selfish you are until you have kids. You don't realise how selfish you are until you get married. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is the gospel is about the depth and breadth of how much God loves us. And I really hope that you, that love is what transforms us. There's nothing more transformative than the love of God. The gospel, I believe, is the ultimate story that reveals victory coming out of defeat. The gospel says God put himself out so he could put you and I in. The gospel says God hurt himself so he could heal us. God himself became sin so that we could become righteous. It's unbelievable. And I really pray that you will not play around with the gospel, but you will hold on to it and honour it because it's the only way you're transformed and it's the only way we can bring transformation that is lasting in our crazy world. So let me give you a couple of thoughts here just, just to break it down so you can understand. We tend to live our, way, our life in three ways. And I'm going to get Yurakim up and I'm going to get Lucas, uh, Luke, uh, um, Luca. <laughs> and I'm going to get Connie up. And I'm going to just talk about this in three ways. We tend to live our way the religious way. Yurakim, you're going to be the religious way. You're far from it, but just an illustration, okay? <laughs> uh, we tend to live our lives the secular way. It's just an illustration because we know you're a holy man. And we tend to live our lives the gospel way. Connie, you're the gospel. So the religious way, Jerokim, okay, I need God, but I need to follow the rules to be accepted by God. The fruit is fear, not love. I try to get freedom by obeying the rules. This is what we call legalism. I believe it's a God, but it's what I have to do, not what He has done. So inside of a religious person and the religion of the human heart, the default of the human heart is religion. We will do anything to try and find a way to be accepted or to appease the gods. So what happens is, is there's a sense of legalism. It, there's a, I gotta obey the rules to get something. I don't really believe I'm fully loved. I still believe I've gotta do something to get something. So if I do bad, I get bad. If I do good, I get good. It's a typical religious mindset. The second way is a secular way. I don't need God. So this is, I don't need God. I will make up my own version of rules. The fruit is entitlement, my rights. Someone owes me. If I don't get my way, I'm angry. But religion can get angry too. If you're serving God for 20 years and someone who comes in 20 minutes ago gets more from God than you did in 20 years, you can get angry with God. God, they just turned up. I've been here 20 years and they have this idea of God you owe me. It's amazing how religion 
can also have a sense of anger. But secularism has it as well. But the gospel way, the gospel way is I need God and I want Him more than anyone or anything else. His love for me transforms me from the inside out. I am free because of Christ. See here, I'm free. Religion is I'm free. I think I'm free. I pretend I'm free, but really deep down I'm not. My addictions, my habits, I still sin. And I kind of put on an outward show, but inside I'm not really free. I hide it. I don't want anyone to find out. That's religion. That's why it's so strong. There'll be no religion if there was no sin nature. The reason we have religions is because we have sin nature and we don't know how to deal with it. So the secular way though has also this idea of freedom. I want freedom, but my version of freedom. I want freedom, but my way. In other words, I want freedom through liberality. I want to be liberal. So we've got legalism, sorry, with, with uh, following the rules. Tend to be, uh, if I obey the rules, then God will be happy. So we've got the rule keeping, the legalism. And then you've got the liberalism, which is, I'll come up my own way, my own rules. So this one it tends to hide, whereas this tends to parade. I'm free, I'm free. So let me show my freedom. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And because we're parading our freedom and our liberality, we declare that as freedom. You see, I'm sexually liberated. I am free. Yet we forget that God has made our sexuality profound and absolutely sacred. Christianity has always been in the, in the area of sexuality on the side of sacredness, not a, uh, to be misused and abused in any form or perversion that we want to do whenever we want, however we like. No, there's a profound transformation in this thing called sexuality. God created us as sexual beings, as sexual identity. And we need to understand if we do like everything, misuse it, instead of finding ourselves, we destroy ourselves and we self-destruct. And yet we want to call it liberality because when we do it without God, we're still not free. It becomes a master. It hasn't, you haven't got it, it's got you. And that's the trouble with a lot of these things. Our finances, our relationships, our sexuality is, it's got you, you haven't got it because you try to break free from it and you're not free. The only one who can free us is Jesus because He's the only one who's free. Religion won't free you. Liberality or, sexu or uh, uh, secularism doesn't free you. The only way you find freedom is the gospel. So give these guys a big hand. As the team come up and join me, I try to land this for you so you have an understanding or at least try. And I know what I'm saying may be a lot to take on board, especially in one hit, but listen, we should not be unfamiliar with the gospel, any of us. Or if you're new to this, then fair enough. But let me tell you, the gospel is the game changer for anything that we do. If you're gonna help people, help them with the gospel and make sure you're helping yourself with the same gospel. The religious way, listen, the religious way tends to control community by devaluing uniqueness to get conformity. The religious way tends to control community by devaluing uniqueness to get conformity. Dress like us, talk like us, behave like us, 
walk like us, sound like us. Religion devalues uniqueness to get conformity. In other words, religion tends to control community. That's why people find it so difficult. And that's why in our Western culture, a lot of people hate church because they've been hurt by church. Their parents have been hurt by church. And we need to know if we're gonna get this story back, we need to know what the story is in the beginning and we need to know what the gospel is and why it's profound. Not just for you, but for all people. The religious mindset tends to be, I need God, but I have to keep the rules. I still have to earn my salvation. I rely more on my efforts and morals than anything else. I'm a good person. I'm more fearful when things go wrong. I don't really believe I'm loved and accepted because I still sin. I put on an outward performance to get approval and acceptance. I'm good on the outside, but I'm a mess on the inside. I struggle with inferiority and superiority. I find it easy to judge others, but struggle to live up to the same standards I expect of others. Self-righteousness, is me saying, can I highlight what you've not got right? Without considering for a second, what is it that I have not got right? How dare I speak to you about what you're not doing? At the same time, not even give a consideration for what is it that I'm not doing? That's what self-righteousness does. Can I highlight where you're wrong? Yeah, okay, highlight where... I'm wrong, but before you do that, have a look at yourself. Have a look at yourself. You're right, I haven't got everything together, but have you? Have you? And this is where it gets really awkward. This is where all the oxygen gets sucked out of the room. It's because this is where it gets to the bone. This is where it gets to the real issue. Self-righteousness is a really unpleasant thing to be around because it highlights what you're not doing, but it never considers themselves. And Jesus never does that, never does that. He covers us, never exposes us. So you've got to get the Gospel right because if you don't get this worked out, the only alternative is secular, non-religious or religion. And you won't get the best out of people with religion, but you won't get the best out of people with legalism or liberalism. The only way to bring out the best is the Gospel, the Gospel, the Gospel. Amen. I know you haven't got it all together and I actually know I haven't got it all together, but the one who has got it all together is the one that's going to help you and is going to help me. So let's just stick with Jesus. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. It's not an excuse to sin. It's just what do you do when you don't get it right? Oh, I hide, I cover, I pretend. I'm in the worship team, my hands are in the air and playing bass, but I don't want them to know the truth. The secular way tends to divide community. Religion controls community, but secular, non-religious, they tend to divide community. By placing individualism 
individualism above others. It's really about me. Oh, we'll just tolerate each other. Yeah, but tolerance doesn't build anything. It doesn't heal anything. It doesn't restore anything. I'll tolerate you. You're there, I'm here. That's it, invisible line. Tolerance actually doesn't do any meaningful work really in the story of human, sto- human reconciliation. It's because tolerance isn't strong enough to build uh, and close gaps and build bridges. The only way you can really bring stories together or humanity together is acceptance. I'll tolerate you. Oh, that's nice. God doesn't tolerate us. He accepts us. So how wrong is it if we just play the tolerance game all the way when God has not tolerated us, He has fully accepted us. The secular way tends to divide community by placing individualism above others. This is where the Pinterest stuff comes from. What do you like? I like the same thing, let's be a community. What do you like? I like this, let's be a community. What do you like? Well, I like bikes, let's be the bike community. Well, what do you like? I like triathlon, let's be the triathlon community. Oh, I like running, so let's be the running community. Oh, well, I like jumping off mountains. Oh, let's be the jumping off mountain community. I, I, I like swimming, let's be the swimming community. Like People will find anything around what they like. I like Minecraft, so let's build the largest, most successful gaming thing that's ever been created in the history of gaming, Minecraft. There's more people on Minecraft than on your Facebook, by far. That's not hard. But what I'm trying to get through to you is is that the the, the secular community, we we say we're gonna build a, a, a robust, meaningful, engaging community by yes, saying we know there's differences, but we have to coexist. And so we're gonna have to come up with some values and we're gonna have to come up with some institutions and we're gonna have to come up with some policies. And once we've got our institutions and our values and our policies, we're gonna subscribe to that. And we want everyone around the world to believe like us. And we wonder why it's not working. Secularism can't solve anything. without God. And so, yeah, we have to be aware that we're living in a very secularised society. But has anyone seen that toxicity of our communities are going up, not down? Our divisions are getting greater, not lesser. So we've got to realise that some people want no borders, other people want reinforced borders. Are we left wing now? Are we right wing? What are we? And so you've got to remember, Secular tends to divide community. We want to let people seeking refuge in, but not too many. Well, who defines the number? We want them to find a safe place, but they can't take all the jobs. They can't take all the government money. They can't, oh, oh, what? I could go on a lot more, but. I'm not sure if you can handle it. I'm not sure if you're ready for it. But this is the spirit of secular, non-religious mindsets tend to be. I always say tend because it's, it's an observation. I don't need God and I will find my own way and decide on what works for me. I replace God with my own version of God. 
I am the centre of my life and I will choose which morals work for me as long as I'm not hurting anybody. I will find meaning and purpose with my achievements, my performances and my job better love me back. I get my identity from creation, Mother Earth instead of Creator, Father of the Universe. I will try to create an Eden without God. I will try to create utopia without His presence. I struggle to comprehend pain, evil and suffering. How can there be a loving God with all of this mess? See, a secular society has no answers when people suffer loss, pain. Secular narratives don't actually have a remedy when we have to deal with this subject of evil. And yet Christianity, the Gospel, absolutely doesn't shy away from it at all. Christianity is one of the strongest narratives you will ever find when it comes to pain, suffering, evil, and all things unpleasant. It doesn't shy away from them. Why? Because we have a God who suffered pain on our behalf. We have a God who was above in the heavens, who came and become human and dwell amongst us. We have a child called Jesus coming into the earth, who's intimidated by a child. And we have a Saviour who is dying at the age of 33, crucified on a Roman cross. How do we comprehend this? How can God die? How can God become sinful? How can Jesus be resurrected from the dead? These are things that we struggle with in our Western culture. But the Gospel does not shy away from them. You may not know the answers to all of this, but let me tell you, the Gospel's still at work in your heart. Because the Gospel's not just about the depth and the breadth of the human story, it's about the simplicity and the profoundness of His love for you and the value that He places hugely upon you as a child of God. So the Gospel way creates a new kind of community. The secular divides community or tends to, and religion tends to control community, but the Gospel creates a new kind of community by connection to Christ and salvation, producing uniqueness and unity. When you meet Jesus, you become more unique, not less. You don't become Jesus, you become you. Your uniqueness is found in Him. There's no one like you. And there will never ever be anyone like you. Why? There's no church that are exactly the same. There's no family on earth exactly the same. The fingerprints of God are everywhere, but we choose to ignore Him. That's why we need to preach the Gospel. The Gospel says, come home. Gospel says you are more, more loved than you could ever imagine. You're lost, yes, that's why I came looking for you, but you are more loved and that's why I was willing to die for you. There's no narrative on planet Earth. If you wanna go the secular way, the agnostic way, if you wanna go sometimes the ways that other people believe, let me tell you, they have no no, no narrative to help you when you lose your children. You have no way of back when you find that there is suffering and pain and evil, when something is taken from you. Whereas God says, I am your rewarder. I am your hope. I am your beginning. I am your end. Justice in the end will be done. If you don't get it in the courts, you will get it with me because God is a God of justice. So yeah, 
the Gospel goes very deep into the very human psychology of who we are and where we're coming from and how messed up do we get. But when there's a Gospel mindset, listen to me, it's a new community, but let me tell you, the new community of uniqueness, not can everyone's the same. It's scary when everybody starts becoming the same. It's scary if the pastor's got a beard and everyone's got a beard, especially in Berlin. If it was in parts of the world where it's kind of normal for males to have beards. But you know what I'm trying to say? It's scary if we all start looking the same, talking the same, dressing the same, dancing the same, clapping the same, raising our hands at the same angle. You're, la- you're not laughing, you're laughing, but no one else is. But let me tell you, run if you're in a place where everybody's the same. Get out of there. Or stay so you're the one person that messes it all up. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say to you is you've got to know what Christ does. He does not make you a copy. He actually brings out your profound uniqueness. There's no one like you. And there never will be. So uh, I think a Gospel mindset, I know it's a lot to take in, but trust me, it's so needed right now. I need God and I want Him more than anyone or anything else. That's what the Gospel does. It puts Christ above everyone and everything. A lot of people use their work to get value, meaning. A lot of people use relationships, partners to get value and meaning. When the Gospel comes into your life, I need you more than anyone or anything. I need you more than the sex. I need you more than this community. I need you more than their approval. I need you more than this achievement. I need you more than this approval. I need you more than that. I need you more than this. And that's what the Gospel does. It puts everything subservient. And if you don't go to God, then who are you going to? Who are you going to to get everything that you need? And that's the problem is we weren't supposed to go to each other. We were supposed to go to God. And then when God's in His place, yes, we can go to each other, but instead of taking, we give. Instead of demanding, we serve. That's why it's a new kind of community. And God needs these new kind of communities all around the world. And it will look different in different parts of the world, yes. Christianity is not a tie and a suit and a white shirt. That's a subculture. I go to God for my needs and wants instead of going to people and places. I accept that only Jesus can do for me what I cannot do for myself. I cannot save myself. I am willing to let go and surrender because of His deep love for me. This is the Gospel mindset. I believe I'm totally loved by God, which continues to transform me, impacting community and society and everyone around me. I find God's love for me helps to motivate me towards serving others. I can live my life from acceptance, not for acceptance. I can live from approval, not for approval. I can live from love, not for love. Because of Jesus, I can belong. I just want you to know, if we're gonna build a real church with real people, with a real Saviour, we need to know the Gospel. And I've said it a million times today, but the Gospel doesn't just save you, 
it keeps you, it sustains you, it keeps every child of God on course. The Gospel doesn't get you back on track, the Gospel keeps you on track, amen. It's not for when you came to church once in a moon, it's every day, every week, every month, all the time, the Gospel, the Gospel, the good news, the good news, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of Jesus I can breathe, because of Jesus I can dream, because of Jesus I can serve, because of Jesus I can pray, because of Jesus I can move, because of Jesus I can fail and still get back up. Come and help me preach someone today, because of Jesus. So what do you want, religion? Knock yourself out. You want secularism? Knock yourself out. I'm gonna go for Gospel. I'm gonna go for Jesus. Because that's where, that's where all the fun is. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Well, I've done my best to help you. I've done my best to pour out some of the stuff that just helps us to get our heads around the Gospel and the differences with others. But I need you to understand, I can't live it for you. I can't get it for you. I can't do anything for you except hopefully appeal to the Spirit and the calling that's on your life and that we will be the kind of Gospel people that needs us to be, amen? Get it for yourself first and then do your best to help others, amen? And there will be rejection. Believe it or not, as good as Jesus is, people still reject. And that's called deception because there's a deceiver. And He does not want you to be liberated by the liberator, amen? So if you wanna be free, speak Jesus. Speak Jesus over my family. Speak Jesus over the city. Speak Jesus over the children. Speak Jesus over everyone. Speak Jesus over every part of this world in Jesus' Name. Speak Jesus!